This means war. That's what's happening in the church, the early church. We saw that they had some attacks come from the outside trying to get in, Ananias and Sapphira. We saw that uh, we had some other issues as, as well, and uh, the persecution of the Sanhedrin and the Jews. And then we also saw the problem with, uh, within the group, even with uh, issues of prejudice, racism between the Hellenistic uh, Jewish widows and the Jerusalem Jewish widows. And uh, they were not being treated fairly or equally as they should have been, which is interesting because everything that they had was in common, wasn't it? They were sharing all their finances, sharing their food, breaking bread door to door, house to house. But when it came to the widows, this one area got overlooked, and, and that happens. I don't, what seems to be in the spirit of the church, I don't think that this was something that was deliberate and intentional. I think that the church had grown to such a place that there was faults in it, and, and that's what happens when you get stretched thin. And so the authority and leadership needed to fix it. Amen? Now we come to a new couple of chapters that I want to look at, and I want to get behind the stories, because if you add all these stories up, what you're seeing is, in fact, a warfare in the heavenlies. We can look at the stories and go, oh, these are cool stories, and we can look at the characters of Stephen and Saul and Philip and Simon the sorcerer, and we go, oh, these are interesting independent stories, but if you put them together, uh, it's in fact the church coming against rulers and powers and principalities. The church is starting to break out of Jerusalem, and this means war. There's a war on. You see, Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. Now he wants to set the captives free. He needs his people to go. They were only staying in Jerusalem for the Jews. He needs to get them out there. Because there are Gentiles and nations that are waiting for the light, that are bound by the demonic and the uh, forces that are keeping them bound, and the church has the solution. they got to get out there. And if we're going to stretch and get out there, it means we're going to be in a war. So the first thing we come up with, as we see, is that those seven deacons that they chose, deacons were servants of the church. Wouldn't expect anything from some servants, would you? <laughs> See, the, the greatest in the kingdom shall be the least. Do unto the least of these. <laughs> Serve the most, right? Serve. In fact, Jesus said, be a slave to the body of Christ. So let's take a look. Here we've got Stephen, who was serving tables. And it says in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those of Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Wow. All right, now he was a deacon who served tables. Now, according to some today who say that the, 
the gifts of the Spirit have ceased and that the healings were only for those that were apostles. And as the apostles, they had the authority to heal and deliver people so that it validated their word and witness of Jesus, but after that, it's done. This verse right here tells us that Stephen, who was not an apostle, was he? No, so this, this gifting of the Holy Spirit must go beyond the apostles. It goes to every believer. And so the guy waiting on tables can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? So this deacon full of the Spirit of God, as he was willing to serve and to minister, was being used by the Lord. You know, God will use you wherever you're at. I mean, if you're cleaning toilets and and clearing off tables and giving food out to people, you're in a great position to pray for the sick and and those who need healing, right? We don't need a platform. We just need to give the love of Jesus to anybody. And so signs and wonders, greats doing great wonders and signs, like regular ones aren't enough. And then these, uh, the synagogue of the freed men, what most people believe is that these were, uh, these were Jewish men who were prisoners from other nations and other countries that were set free. They went back to Jerusalem and they started a synagogue on their own kind of like the prison group, you know, ex-prisoners got together and ex-slaves, I should say, got together and celebrated their freedom. And there was one temple in Jerusalem, but many synagogues. And so this is where they met together. And they didn't like Stephen, what he was doing. He's preaching this Jesus stuff. So they tried to speak against him and they couldn't. He was too good. So they secretly instigated men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God, and stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So they couldn't reason with him, they, they, they couldn't defeat him in their arguments, so they got, hired some people to come against him and say he was blaspheming God and blaspheming Moses and Abraham and the prophets. So got everybody stirred up enough, all the Jews stirred up enough, they, they got the Stephen guy and brought him into the Sanhedrin. Didn't they do that with uh, John and Peter? They did that with Jesus too, didn't they? So they're going to figure out how to do this. They, they can't beat you because you're speaking the truth. So they got to lie. They got to lie against you. So they hire some guys to lie. Actually, this isn't a lie though. Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs of Moses. <laughs> it actually is true, but they don't understand the context, do they? The temple failed. The temple failed in what it was supposed to be doing. It was supposed to be a light to all nations. It was supposed to receive Messiah and then be a beacon to all the nations for all to come. And it failed. That's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. That's why he turned over the money changers. He said, your time's up. Jesus did come and destroy the temple, didn't he? He brought judgment on the temple in 70 AD. He fulfilled the law of Moses to where, as the writer of Hebrews says, it is obsolete 
but they didn't understand it. Peter tried, uh, Stephen tried to explain it to them. They didn't get it. So, verse 15, they were gazing at him, all who sat in the council, and they saw that his face was like that of an angel. What do you think that means? What do you, what's, what do you think when you read that? The glory of the Lord. Countenance of God on him. Do you think he was like biting his nails and really scared? <laughs> All right, but he was, there was one thing he was full of that assured him. The Spirit, Spirit. Amen. All right, now. And the high priest said, are these things true? Well, they gave Stephen a platform. <laughs> right? So we've got the whole chapter 7 of him going through the history of Israel. They said that Stephen was blaspheming Moses and the temple and all the things of God, and they said, is it true? So what does Stephen do? He starts with Abraham, speaks well of Abraham, speaks of what Abraham, he's giving them a Sunday school lesson, a Saturday school, a Sabbath day lesson. He's going back, he's proving that he's not blaspheming any of the Old Testament. He is honoring Abraham. In fact, that's what Jesus does. He's the fulfillment of Abraham. He goes through Joseph, who was sent down in Egypt. If you read chapter 7, I'm not going to read it to you tonight. It's literally a rehearsal of the history of Israel. From Abraham to Joseph down in Egypt and Jacob and the bones being brought back and Moses and freeing the people to where Solomon, he speaks of Solomon, and that it was Solomon who built the temple for him, right? So he's honoring the patriarchs, he's honoring the prophets, he's honoring the temple, and then he politely says, yet the Most High doesn't dwell in the houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. I'm in chapter 7, verse 49. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? And he turns to the Sanhedrin and he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Yeah. So we have to keep speaking Jesus, right? And that's what Stephen did. He was not afraid. When you get a hold of the reality of who God is, that when you pray, prayers are answered, things are happening, ministry is going forth, the boldness comes forward, and nothing else will stop you. So what did they decide to do? When they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. I mean, that's getting mad. How dare you? But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. 
And they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and they rushed together at him. They are ticked royally, right? I don't want to hear it. Ah! And they're grinding and gnashing their teeth and they run at him. Ah! Tackle him. Wow. What do you think is going on when he said he looked to heaven and he saw Jesus? That's, that's a cool point, isn't it? Because I don't care who you are, when you're about to face death, there is a natural human reaction, yet something over, overrided, overrode the sense of, uh-oh, trouble he saw Jesus and as a reward, but also as a comfort. Where is Jesus? Go ahead. Okay. So Jesus is seated because his job is done. A high priest never sits down. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is seated because the sacrifice is given. It's done. His ministry now is intercession on our behalf. So he being seated, but when Stephen saw him, he was standing. What if Jesus gave him a standing ovation? Well done. Yes. He's stepping towards him. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that Jesus is supposed to heal everyone and deliver everyone from harm. That's the ultimate healing. What's that? We just did. Everybody's okay with this then? Everybody's okay with laying down your life and people throwing stones and pummeling you to death? That's okay. I mean, if you're good with it, I'm good with it. To the glory of God. Okay. Because there's some folks who have a real problem with, you know, I mean, the Psalm 91, it tells us that if you dash your foot against a stone, his angels will come and help you and, and you won't ever get hurt. If you follow Jesus... You should never have a sickness, disease, or ever get hurt. He promises you to live till uh, three score, three score, and ten. Does God promise you to live to three score and ten? It's not a promise, is it? No, that's an average that's spoken proverbially. Everybody has their days numbered according to God as to what they are. Okay, so I'm just, I'm just finding out because folks who are heavy into the prosperity and this and that, they're going to tell you that you should never suffer, you should never have a problem. We got a guy right now that's just about to be stoned to death, and Jesus is okay with this. It's kind of like the three Hebrew boys that were thrown in the fire. If God chooses to deliver us, right? If, you know, they had no problem whether we die in this furnace or not, God did deliver them, but I think Stephen was the same way, right? And, and to see the Lord. Uh, would you agree then that God giving him this vision to see Jesus prepared him for what was coming next? Yeah, thank God. Good. All right, let's see what happens here. So he just has to lay it out for them. He lays the gospel out. He tells them the truth. They start grinding their teeth. He says he sees Jesus they start just putting their hands over their ears and screaming and shouting. They run towards him. And uh, it says, But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw God, Jesus standing on the right hand. He says all this. 
they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Wow. So they grab him, they start stoning him, they take him outside of the city, and they pummel him with rocks and stones, right? Do you think it hurt? Could have gone into shock. So were they throwing like pebbles at him? What were they throwing? Rocks. If you want to kill a guy, where do you throw the rocks most? In the head. I mean, this is a gruesome scene. You know, sometimes we, we, we kind of take away the, the reality of what's going on here. We say, oh, it was beautiful. He gave his life for Jesus. And he was bloody, beaten, bruised, blood everywhere. You're getting hit with sharp rocks, getting pummeled. And in the midst of this, he... he, he uh, says, Lord, receive my spirit. I'm thinking that he's saying, take me. I, I, God, help me. Take me. He did get to see Jesus, and he's off his chair. So it's like, okay, come and get me. Do you think that those who have been martyred, this is the first martyr of the church, do you think those who have been martyred are all given some kind of sedative so they feel no pain throughout all of church history? I think we suffer through it. The numbers of thousands, scores of, of believers around the world who have been martyred for Jesus, burned alive, beaten, whipped, terribly, sawn in half, terribly murdered and killed. And uh, they have to endure it. And I, I'm not trying to make it gruesome, but at the same time, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, that that if you're feeling pain and suffering while you're living for Jesus, you're wondering, what's wrong with me? Because everybody feels pain. We're physical creatures. And you remember how to overcome, say, uh, the enemy. Right? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and what's the third? Love not your life even unto death. Let's bring up what, what would that mean theologically to these Jews? That Jesus is standing next to Yahweh God. Makes them guilty. <laughs> Makes them guilty. Blasphemy. They would say, how dare you put anyone beside God? Anyone before Moses. If anybody's going to be up there, you see Jesus? Yeah, so that infuriated them. They're ready. That's blasphemy. They take him out. They stone him. And there's a young upstart there. There's a guy that's in charge of the stoning. Why do we say he's in charge of the stoning? They laid his, their cloaks at his feet. That's a sign of authority that they took him out to where you stone people outside the city and he's in charge. He's the executioner, if you will. 
And they take their cloaks and they put them at his feet and they go and they grab the rocks and everything. So Saul is standing there and he is approving this. He thinks he's doing something for God. He thinks he's purifying Judaism, right? But something, when you read Paul and you go through all his later epistles and everything, something eats at him in this situation. He brings it up a number of times in his epistles. And there's something that eats at him. What does Stephen say? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. Now, how many people do you know that when people are killing them with rocks and stones, say, Father, forgive them? You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit to have that heart of Jesus to forgive those who are spitting on you, hating you, cursing you, and beating you to death. That's why, can I dare say this? I'm, as your pastor, I'm going to. I have a responsibility. Please, please be careful in these days and in these times when there are such dividing lines and there's a lot of scheming and lying going on and there's a lot of things going on in this nation and you can be angry but sin not. You can't let anger come into your heart. Because the very people that may be destroying the nation, may be destroying relationships, may be destroying the church, we're supposed to still pray for them and forgive them. But if you're so embittered about them, you're not going to do the work you were called to do. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah. It's easy to go there. Easy to go there. But we're to be filled with the Spirit so that we don't hate the people that are hating us. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right, so let's go on. Now we've, it says they, that he fell asleep, but that is, I don't mean to ruin, you know, it could be that God just took him. Could be. The writer was a doctor. <laughs> he would know the difference, but my only point of reference is this. True, true. When you go into shock, you don't feel anymore. That they're good. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. You don't have to be a hater <laughs> for me. It would take some, somebody do the deeper looking into and go into the Greek and the language, okay? Because that is a common phrase for dying. When Paul writes the church at Thessalonica, I would not you to be ignorant of those who have fallen asleep, right? They ain't sleeping. And uh, he says that in 1 Corinthians 11, to those of you who are taking the Lord's Supper, uh, uh, not discerning the Lord's body, many of you are sick and have fallen asleep. So I'm just saying it is a common phrase for death. Now maybe God intervened and took him. I would pray that's awesome, great. But does he do that for every believer that's being persecuted to death? I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I don't know. I would hope so. Bottom line is he died. Did he feel pain or not? I don't know. I don't know. Would it have changed what Stephen did? He was committed. But it's a believer's death. 
But everybody that's a believer that dies doesn't just fall asleep. They may suffer pain and, and heartache. I mean, if you're a Christian and you have cancer and you're dying, you may suffer horribly. Okay, I, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it because you know what? This is reality. And here's another reason why. So many Christians that are suffering in pain always ask the question, How, don't I have enough faith? Why is this happening to me? And this is the natural thing. When your body's dying, it hurts. God doesn't rescue you from every situation. The greatest rescue is to come into his presence. So let's see what, now we've got Stephen here and the Sanhedrin's getting tired of this Jesus stuff. They're getting ticked because they got Peter and John. They scourged him, whipped them, and then they found him out preaching again. So then they took all 12 of them and brought them in, told them stop preaching, and they escaped in the middle of the night and nobody even knew about it. And they beat them again and then they kept on preaching. And now you got Stephen, who's not even one of those big official guys, and, and he's doing it, signs and wonders, and they're still getting blamed for this Jesus thing. And they're fed up. So now they're not scourging. Now they're not whipping. They're going to kill him for blasphemy. All right. Chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution, period. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Something happened in the city that day. Have you ever seen one event cause an eruption? It's the tipping point. So things got boiled up too high, too many people. Remember last week we saw even the Levites were getting saved. Priests were getting saved. They were adding to their numbers daily. It's turning Jerusalem upside down. The Sanhedrin and the Jews are getting fed up with these other Jews who are coming to Jesus. And they kill Stephen and there's the trigger point. Something happens but where does it happen? It happens in government, happens in authority, but there are always authorities above the authorities you see. Something happens in the heavenlies. Something is loosed. And persecution comes hard against the Christians. Think about it for a minute. What Describe for me what we read, what the Bible said about the early church in Jerusalem. What did it say about them? Describe them. All one mind, one accord. All in one place. Many were added. They're growing. They're growing. You got signs and wonders. Spirit filled, right? God's grace is all over them. Party! This is a great thing, man. This is great revival. This is awesome. All right. This brings me up a real, uh, an interesting point. A week ago, when somebody tried to mess with the Christians, Ananias and Sapphira, what happened to them? Poof, you're dead. Everybody in Jerusalem's like, what was their attitude towards the church? Don't mess with these guys. These guys, remember Gamaliel? Hey, stop it. If this is of God, let it go. Something shifted, though. 
They killed one of them. Hey, I guess they're not that special after all. I guess they're not that bulletproof after all. Could God have allowed persecution? Does the ends justify the means in this situation? In other words, you're supposed to be going, and they're not going, are they? So persecution. I don't think God caused the persecution. You just put enough truth in with a bunch of people who deny truth, and you're going to have a fire. All right, this is a good transition point. I'm going to go with this, okay? Um, Just what you're saying. Weren't we with the Sanhedrin last week, and... Who stood up and said, if this is of God, let it be? Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Who was Saul's, who was Gamaliel's star student? Saul. Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. Who do you think was probably in that Sanhedrin when Gamaliel stood up? Probably Saul. And, and Gamaliel says, just let it go. Let it go. If it's God, it's God. Don't fight against it. But I think you're right, Paula. Saul saw an opportunity here, his fervency to uphold, and he breaks through. He kind of bypasses Gamaliel's advice and stands there to kill this guy. Everybody realizes you can kill a Christian. You know, last time somebody tried to cheat him, they died but they broke something about it. Now it says that such persecution came all of a sudden that it scattered all the Christians. Let me ask you this now. Put it into home. What would make you leave your hometown? (laughs) What would make you leave your home? Yeah, how severe was this persecution? Did a few people leave because it was just, you know, it's not happy anymore says everyone left except the 12. Wow. Mass exodus. That must have been pretty crazy persecution, wouldn't you agree? So it says they were great persecution against the church. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So Saul's going door to door throughout the entire city. He's an exterminator of these rats Get these Christians out of here. I'm taking them all. It says he dragged them out. He's using a very volatile word to just grab them by the hair and pull them out. So what are you going to do? Get out of here. Now, what's the difference between this persecution and Stephen's persecution? Why don't you stay and be killed? But if there's persecution, it's going to utterly destroy the church. The church is going to fail. It can't last under this kind of pressure. (laughs) All right. We got 2,000 years of evidence. You can't kill the church. Right? All right. In fact, the church gets stronger. Tertullian said that the 
the seed of the church is the blood of the martyrs. So you try to squash us and kill us, and it multiplies. Every place there has been persecution, the church flourishes. Russia, China, and so forth, right? Well, you know, this is a summary of the events. This isn't a moment-by-moment depiction. Do you think that there were believers doubting God at this point? Wondering, where's Jesus? I had to leave my house, my dog, my cat. I just built this wing onto my little hut. Now I got to go. I mean, isn't that, don't we all find ourselves, you know, what's going on, God? You're supposed to protect me, and, and people are beating me, and this guy's breaking into my house. Where's God? We're kind of saying that now. Where's God? How could he dare let this happen to us, right? While it's been going on since the beginning of the church. So we've got to have a good perspective, don't we? All right, so that's, that's what we're looking at. So what's happening is these key characters we're going to be looking at, there's a shift going on. We see the shift that with Stephen, the first martyr of the church, it breaks loose the anger of the heavenlies against the gospel because the gospel is pressing against the gates of hell. But what will the gates of hell not be able to do? Prevail. Prevail. So the gospel, and God knows this, and so sometimes uh, persecution or resistance is going to refine the the church and fan the flame. So Stephen is the first martyr. I'm thinking he's in his maybe late 20s, early 30s, and he's stoned to death, horrible death, and they weep and mourn after him, but it brings a star forward, Saul. Now, how would you feel about Saul? busted into your house you escaped out the back window because he was ready to grab you he grabbed your neighbors and dragged them to jail your house is next but you bust out the back and you go what are you saying about Saul God bring your judgment on this guy how do you handle that because Saul's going God you are the true God I want to purify your your people and keep the word true the word of the law is true these people are such liars he doesn't understand the Christians does he are there people today who don't understand Christians and they think they're doing God's service and here the Christians are going God we hate that guy kill him and all behind the background God's got a plan wow you've got to leave room for God especially in your wrath Leave room for God, right? Who would have thought that this guy Saul, at this point, is going to be the one who writes most of the New Testament? And one of the key issues he has was the stoning of Stephen. We'll look into that next week. And then we're going to see another deacon, another servant who waited on tables. He becomes an evangelist. And he goes forth. Amen. Let me close with this. The more I have studied and studied about the believers in the New Testament, one thing I've seen, they fail over and over and over. And Jesus never gives up on any of them. He never kicked out anybody. He, didn't, he's, he restored Peter. He, he continues to work with the disciples. Uh, they're afraid. They're scared. They say the wrong things. That's all of us. He will never give up on us. Okay? So 
No, you're done. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. It's 8.01. All right, we'll pick up from here last time. This kind of discussion, this gets us, you know, everybody involved and engaged in the Word of God. I hope you're learning something as we're just pulling out at the Scriptures here. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Seeing these men, Lord God, and the women of God that have given their lives for you, many have suffered Lord Jesus, you've asked us to do one thing, be faithful, to be faithful. And so God, help each one of us. Some of us are at our wit's end, some of us are complaining, some of us are in such pain, but you're faithful. I'm asking for you to bring a clear revelation of who you are to each one of us. Just like Stephen was able to see you high and lifted up, God, show us who you are high and lifted up relieve our pain and suffering, minister to us. May we persevere, may we stand, and may we draw closer to you than ever before. And I thank you for this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.